Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Lord, I thank you that your promises are yes and amen. That we in ourselves could not make the distance. We could not recover what we had lost by our sin. But you came to be with us, Lord Jesus, to save us. And to all things, Lord God, by your will, you say amen. It is done, so be it. Before we've had our prayer, before we've had our amen, you are saying amen from heaven, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And so with joy, we can all say amen. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) You can all take your seats. Good morning, church. My name is Luke, in case you missed it, and I'm on the team here at Kalamunda, and it's my honor to bring the word today. And it's been, a, it's been a hot week this week, a few hot days. Has anyone been to the beach this week? One person? Two people? Jono. <laughs> of course you went to the beach. I haven't had the chance, and I'm a bit all beached out, actually. Um, in early December, a bunch of us young adults went down to Esperance. And those young adults are now probably thinking, oh no, which story is he going to tell? Oh no. <laughs> um, we had a lot of fun. We, we um, rode on those electric scooters in, in town that you can just like tap on your phone and pay for it. And we, we all whizzed around. That was really fun. But on one of the days, we, um, we were at Twilight Beach. And it was, it was a hot day. And all the boys jumped up from the sand they were like, right, see that rock island? We're going out to that rock island. We're going to jump off that rock island. You know, s- simple stuff. S- simple pleasures in life. And I jumped up with them. I'm not particularly fond of jumping off of things, but I do like rocks. So I was going to go to the rock. I was going to jump And it looked, it, it wasn't too far out in the water, but, and I am a competent swimmer, but I know that I'm not the strongest swimmer out there. Um, not like all of the other boys who go to the gym and do all that. Um, so I asked them, like, is it far? Is it deep? What's the go here? And, and they were like, no, there's actually a sandbar. It's underwater at the moment, but um, it shouldn't come up past your waist, or maybe a little bit past your waist, but we're just going to wade across. And I'm like, well, that sounds easy. So off we go, and we get into the water, and it's up to my knees, and we keep going. I think I'm on the sandbar. It seems like it's pretty shallow. But then it gets to my waist. Then it gets a bit past my waist, and I'm like, okay, the tide must be in a bit more than they were expecting, that's fine. Then it gets to my chest, and then a wave comes. And I'm not walking anymore, I'm not waiting, I'm swimming. <laughs> These guys really got me in the sales pitch, but the, the reality of the situation was not, <laughs> not what they described. But that's okay, that's okay. The wave goes down, and I'm still swimming. Sandbar's over there now. That's a bit of a problem. And it happened to all of us, so we're all swimming back. 
and there's waves coming from one direction and waves coming from the other direction as it comes around this rock island. And I don't know how strong everyone else was, but I figured out that my best swimming was just faster than these waves were pulling me away. And Dad's never going to let me go swimming again at this rate. But um, <laughs> he's listening. He's just like, you didn't tell me this. Um, <laughs> but um, we, got, we got to the rock. I was running out of puff. I was a little bit worried, but only a little bit, Dad. Only, only a little bit. Um, I got to the rock, and there was no easy way up. So at this point, I'm, I've grabbed onto the seaweed that's growing off the side of this rock island. And I'm going this way with the wave, and I'm going this way with the wave. And I'm just, I'm just living my best life. <laughs> Um, but eventually, uh, we, we make use of the waves, and I kind of like use one to get me up, and I kind of like flop onto the lowest part of the rock, and I'm kind of scrabbling, and then a second wave comes, and I get up properly. And we're on the rock island, and while everyone else is jumping off, I'm just catching my breath. <laughs> um, the way back was so much easier, uh, because the waves were, were on our side that time, and we could literally just ride them in. Um, but yeah, oh, it was fun, it was good. But... Um, who knows, that's so much like life sometimes, is we start off and we think we know what we're doing, we think we know what's coming ahead, and then something comes from one direction, something comes from the other direction, and that, that path that we were supposed to be walking is going like this, and we're trying to get back to it. Um, and so we are in the middle of a series right now uh, called The New Me in 2023. It's all about our identity in Christ. And so that original title can be a, a minor bit misleading, because we actually find that the more we understand the needs of our person and where our identity can be found and where it should be found, we find that it isn't really about us at all, but it's about Christ, our identity in Christ. And so as we kickstart this new year, we're looking at, and Brad introduced it beautifully last week, we're looking at how we can uh, take the focus off of ourselves and find that grounding in Christ find that in scripture, find the promises of who we are and how that can form us and prepare us for the year ahead. And so my focus this week is going to be on our strength and our ability. In Christ, I am able. That's this message. And strength and weakness is a very big part of identity. It forms who we are. We're formed by lots of things, our age, our background, our heritage, our career, our personality, our interests. But our strengths and our weaknesses are right up there with them. And the problem that often happens where, that links strength to identity is an issue of comparison. That we measure ourselves against those around us. We find out where we come out on top, and we discover where we fall short. And then we take that as who we are. So maybe in my friend group, I'm the, the strongest swimmer. It's not true. You found that out. But um, maybe I'm the strongest swimmer. And, and I know that and I discover that by measuring. And so then that becomes a little bit of who I am. It's not the whole part of me, but it's a little part of me. And that's how I recognize myself. That's how others recognize me. Um, and it's like, oh, don't go up against Luke. He'll beat you in a, a swimming pool race. And, you know, all, all of those truths. Um, but then someone else comes along, and they're a better swimmer. And they join my friend group. And suddenly, that ground of who I am is shaken just a little bit. Not a huge amount, because swimming wasn't the be-all and end-all of my life. 
but we can begin to see how different strengths and different weaknesses, as we compare and as we measure, they can form who we are. But then when either that strength fades, or again, we find, oh, we're not actually the best in the room, there can be some issues of identity that arise. And there's actually some characters in the Bible that go through this exact problem. There are many characters that have issues of strength. There are many characters that have issues of identity. But there are actually a few that have this exact problem where they compare themselves to others. They find themselves wanting, and then that affects who they believe they are. And so the main one that we're going to be looking at today is Gideon. And Gideon we find in Judges chapter 6 through 8. And this is during a cycle of time when the Israelites would worship other gods, and so God would abandon them to the oppression of their enemies. And so for, for Gideon's time, they're current, the Israelites are currently being oppressed by the Midianites. And so every harvest, the Midianites would come in, the Israelites would all go to the caves in the hills and hide, and the Midianites would just take everything. And that would happen cycle after cycle, season after season. And so we meet Gideon in chapter 6, verse 11 to 12. Uh, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, I don't know a lot about threshing wheat, and I don't know a lot about wine presses, but I'm pretty sure the wine presses are for the wine, and the wheat is for the threshing floor. And so Gideon here is hiding because he's scared that the Midianites are going to come and they're going to take his wheat. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has... The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending... Pardon me, my Lord. I love Gideon. He's so polite, this Gideon. So genteel. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. See, Gideon had done the measuring. He'd done the comparison He'd looked at everyone else in his family and he said, I'm at the bottom. And his strength and his abilities had transferred to who he was. He was the least. This was his identity. And he looked at his family compared to all the other families in the tribe and he said, we're at the bottom. And so this was who he was. And so when God's calling came to him, as it so often does to us, Gideon looked at who he was, who he believed he was, and he said to God, Nah, I can't do that. How can I do that? The calling of God, and he couldn't see how it could be done in his life with him. He knew his strength. But this is how the Lord answers in verse 16, he says, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. 
I love this. This is the answer. The question was, how can I save Israel? The answer is not a blessing of strength, is not an impartment, is not a care package from heaven with strength or arms or armies. I will be with you. This is the answer to our identity, church, to our strength and to our weakness, to the trials that we do not have the ability to face and the trials that we do, is I will be with you. And this is actually how the angel of the Lord introduces the conversation. He says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Which Gideon was not. A name of someone mighty, which Gideon did not believe he was. And why, how, what was the link? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, and thus you are mighty. In Christ, I am able, because I am in Christ, and Christ is able. In Christ, I am able, I'll say it again, because I am in Christ, and Christ is able. And so Gideon ends up going with God, and he gathers an army, and God, not satisfied, says, you can send most of these guys home, because I'm the one that's going to win the battle. And so Gideon does, and then Gideon wins the battle. God wins the battle. And Midian is defeated, and Gideon becomes the leader of that generation. And I'm sure he looked back and thought, how did I do any of that? And then he would have thought, oh, I didn't. <laughs> it was God. It was God in me. It was God with me. And so this is the premise, the main point of my sermon through, from which my other points will be based off of. And this is the truth. This is the promise that you can hold. God is with you. He is your strength. God is with you. He is your strength. And this is the truth that we can carry with us, church, into this year, into 2023. That whatever the trial, whatever the storm, whatever we think we can handle or we know we can't, God is with us. He is our strength. And that doesn't just affect the strength we have, it affects who we are. We are found, our identity is the, one, the ones that Christ is with. The ones that God is with. That is who I am. And so we come to Moses in Exodus 3.11. Now Moses had, has just received at the burning bush, he's just received a calling from God. God saying, I need you to go back to Egypt and save my people Israel. And once again, Moses does the comparison. And he says, in verse 11, he says, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And again, this issue of strength and ability had become an issue of identity, an issue of who am I? Because Moses knew who he was. He was Moses the murderer. He was Moses the coward. He was Moses the stutterer that couldn't speak. He was Moses the old man. He was Moses the stranger in a strange land. He knew all of this. He'd measured up against the armies of Egypt and against, you know, just decent people who haven't murdered <laughs> and haven't run away. And he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And once again, the answer. So this time the question is slightly different. The question is, who am I? The answer is the same. 
I will be with you. And so when we're searching for identity, it doesn't sound like it's an answer to the question, but it is. Who am I? I will be with you. That is our identity. That is who we are in the Lord Church. And this, is the, this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. We find the name of God, Emmanuel. Sorry, the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, is God with us. This is the promise, the Messiah promise that was given. That in our sin, in our strength and abilities, we fell short of the measure. And there was a rift created by our sin between us and God. A severance of relationship. And so Jesus came down to die on the cross to save us from our sins. To restart that relationship. To be God with us. Because that is the promise that was needed. That is where our strength can be found, our peace, our power, our purpose. And this, I, I love this because this is um, in Isaiah, let me just get it up. Isaiah 55 uh, from verse 10, it says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and breast for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and, and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And the thing about God's word, and when we pray for blessings, when we pray for our strength in the morning, when we pray for peace, when we pray for healing, when we pray for love, is God doesn't send those things. And this is the truth here, that when we pray for strength, God doesn't send strength. When we pray for love, God doesn't send love. When we pray for healing, God doesn't send healing. When we pray, he sends his word, and his word, the word of God, has a name, Jesus Christ. And so when you pray for strength, God sends himself. God sends God. And in God, when God is with us, then we have God's strength. And so when we pray for love, God, and when we pray for comfort in times of mourning, then God doesn't just send a magic feeling of, of gratitude or a magic feeling of peace. He sends God. He comes with his promise, and by the fact that he goes with his promise, we know that it is true and that it is assured and that it will be completed because he is not just sending something out to accomplish the task, but he goes and he accomplishes the task right there with us. He is the love. He is the peace. He is the power. And when we are in Christ, church, that is our identity. That is who we are, no longer by our own strength, no longer by our own accord. In Isaiah, again, 41.10, it says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so if we want to take hold of this promise, this truth, as we go into life this year, I've got three points around how we can do that and what, what mindset shift needs to occur. And so first is we need to identify with God's ability and not our own. Identify with God's ability and not your own. And our strength isn't found in who we are. Well, there is a strength there, but it's the strength 
that fails. It's the strength that fades. And so church, we need to learn to identify not with the strength in who we are, but our strength is found in whose we are. We are the Lord's, his precious possessions, his treasures that he came to restore. We are heirs, we are children. In John 1, 12 to 13, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not out of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And that is who I am. Every morning when I pray, actually quite a few mornings uh, this week because I've got a lot on, I pray, God, be my strength. And this is how I pray it. I don't say, God, give me strength. And if you say that, then that's okay. And God will honor that prayer and that promise in the manner with which you've sent it. But this is how I pray. I say, God, be my strength. And what do I mean by that? Is I mean, God, I know I'm going to fall down at some point today. I know it. So I need you to be the thing in me that doesn't fall down. So that I can get back up. I need you to be the thing in me that endures, that persists, that overcomes and conquers. So we need to identify because that, and we're not identifying with it as if he is God and we're going to pretend that his strength is our own and, and we're going to um, use some, some psychology and, and placebo effect and, and we're going to become stronger in ourselves and our days are going to be more successful. No, we need to identify with God's strength because he is with us and his strength is ours. It's there for us. It's a gift freely given. And not just strength, like I said, peace and power and authority and healing. And it's given, again, not on its own, but it's given through him. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And in scripture, uh, Pastor Brad often talks in scripture about these but God moments. Where something's going wrong and then in scripture you see that little but God and you're like, oh, something's happening here. But in life, so often, when we measure and when we compare our strengths and when we take that as who we are, we find that we say all too often, but me. And so it can be, um, oh, I, there's, there's something here that I'd like to do and, and I want to accomplish, but I'm not strong enough. But I'm too busy. But I don't have enough money. Or maybe God puts a stirring in your heart to go and pray for someone or to say something or to do something. And we say, but God never speaks to me. But I'm not righteous enough. But look at my sin and look at what I've done. God doesn't want to use me. Or we say, but I'm too scared to step into that. Or I'm too young or I'm too old. And we use these parts of our identity, our perceived identity, and we use them and we block the calling of God and we block the voices of God and we cover his promises because of the way that we've measured. And so church, if we can identify with God's strength, then when these situations come, we can say, God's calling this to me, but I'm really scared, but God is greater. 
And whenever we come up with the but I, following right behind it is a but God that says, you have a different path, you walk a different life, you are a new creation, you have associated with the death, and as you came up out of that water, you have associated with the life, and all has been washed away. So let's introduce, like in Scripture, we find it in Scripture, and whenever it's in Scripture, something's amazing happening. So let's introduce a little but God into our lives. So, and I think we'll find some amazing things start to happen as we identify with the strength of the Lord Almighty. Second point is to use the Emmanuel measure. And so again, as we're comparing and we're measuring up, imagine with me, if you will, a ruler. There's a zero on one end and there's a one on the other. And there are no notches in between. This isn't a partial thing, this isn't a percentile thing. There's a zero and there's a one. For this ruler, every problem, every storm, every trial measures short. But we, when we have Christ, measure at the one because the unit of measurement is Emmanuel. Emmanuel God with us. And so if we take this measure, and we do have Christ, and you may think, oh, but my faith is only so high, or I've only been with God so long. If you believe in God this morning, church, then God is with you. He is in you, Emmanuel, and you meet that measure. You meet that measure not through anything you've done, not through anything you deserve, but God meets the measure in us the measure of righteousness, the measure of redemption. He meets that. He met that for us on the cross. And so now when we come to any problem, and it may look like a really big problem, but we we take this Emmanuel measure, this ruler, and we place it up to the problem, every problem measures short. Every problem measures short of the power and the strength that is within us. In 1 Samuel 17, we read the story of David and Goliath. And in verse 33, Saul has the wrong measuring rod. He looks at David, he looks at Goliath, and he he measures them, he compares their strengths, their abilities. And he says to David, you are not able to go out and fight against this Philistine. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Saul saw the abilities, and he called out the identities. He says, you are a young man. You cannot go. That was the measure of the world. But in verse 45, David comes with a different measure, and he says to Goliath, he says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. You come against me with these earthly strengths. You come against me with these earthly measures, and I don't measure up, says David. David's looking at Goliath, and he says, I don't measure up. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands." David 
Even before Jesus came with the specific name of Emmanuel, David was using the Emmanuel measure. He said, I see you, problem, and God sees you, problem, and so I'm going to take God's perspective. I'm going to take the Emmanuel measure. God is with me. He was with me, he was with me when I fought the bears and the lions, and he is with me now. And I know he's not with you because you've been calling him out. <laughs> and that's the measure for us, church. Whatever comes against you this year, that's the measure. Again, I'll say it again, the premise. God is with you. He is your strength. In every situation, Emmanuel. The promise, the joy of Emmanuel. In 1 John 4 verse 4 in the King James Version, it says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. And I love that. Because, again, we see an earthly comparison. The little children and the problems of the world. And John says, Ye are of God, little children. The little children have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so the third point as the worship team comes up is we need to sound the horn. What do I mean by that? Well, the horn in Hebrew culture of this time was a symbol of strength and a symbol of victory. I, I'm not certain, but I think the words of strength and the word for horn actually have some links. Um, but when you call on the horn in battle, you are announcing your strength. You are declaring your victory. And so this horn is a symbol of strength. And in Psalm 132, verse 17, it says, There I will make a horn to sprout for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one. And this verse is actually prophesying Jesus. Jesus, one of his titles, one of his names, is the horn of David. The horn of David that has sprouted up. Jesus is our horn. He is our strength. And if we have a horn, we need to call on it. We need to use it. We need to call on it. And so I encourage you, church. And again, as I said, most mornings for the last few weeks, I've been saying, God, be my strength. God, be my strength. Because I need you. I need you now. And so we need to call, if God is our strength, is this, if this is the identity that we can take a hold of, then let's take a hold of it. Let's call on Jesus and say, God, be my strength. God, you see what I'm going through. You see the army that I've got, and it's a small army. But God's never needed the bigger army. And so we can call on him, call on his name, and then we can trust in him. And so after we've said those prayers and we've taken hold of that strength, then let's trust in that church. That truth that promise, that does with us. And again, because and I say it again because it's true and because it's incredible. It's not just a strength. God is with us. It's not just a power, it's not just an impartation. God is with us. And in him, all strength. In him, all freedom from addictions. In him, 
all reconciliation from past wrongs. In him, all the love that we search for and all the satisfaction that the desires of the world could never give. So as we go into worship, I'll call the prayer team up and invite you to a time of prayer and worship. That whether you're going through something and 2023 has already hit you with stuff, or whether writing it pretty okay at the moment if you want to take this moment to identify with God's strength but you're not quite sure how and you don't feel like you can do that on your own and and, and you fall short even in that, that's okay but we have a prayer team here that would love to pray with you and pray you into that new identity to pray you into that strength for this year, to pray the promise of Emmanuel. Um, But just before we do that, I do also want to give the invitation. And so if you could all uh, close your eyes and bow your heads. I just want to give the invitation, if you are here this morning and you don't know God, you haven't given your heart to Jesus, But you can see your strength and and how that gets you places in the world. And sometimes it gets you places and sometimes it falls short. Well, I offer the invitation today that Jesus has come to offer life with him. He has come and he died on a cross to take away your sins and to repair that gap and to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us so that we can have his strength and his freedom and his righteousness. If today you want to start that relationship and you want to say yes to that promise, you want to say yes to that new identity, then while every other eye is closed and every head is bowed, could you just raise your hand for me so I can see it? Wonderful, I see that hand. Amazing. Right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to lead you in a prayer and everyone's going to follow along sentence by sentence. And if you want to accept this invitation and you didn't raise your hand, that's okay. God's still watching and he sees the heart. So just pray this along with me. But we'll pray now. Dear Lord, I see that I am a sinner and my strength has fallen short. But I see that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, and he came down and died on a cross for my sin. I declare now that Jesus is Lord. I ask you into my life to be with me, make me new, and strengthen me every day. Thank you, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen.